what I got to say I'm going around the corner And have me a drink of Tangerine Southern Rock Podcast, a southern storm of bold, liberating rock, shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. Welcome to another episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast. With me is always Jason. What What's up? What's going on today? What's, what's up? I got a couple of things that are going on with me, but I want to talk about what's going on with you you were just a guest of one of the podcasts i really like with one of our our buddies talking about a great record why don't you tell us why don't why uh, don't you why don't you market yourself here yeah well i had the pleasure of being asked by our buddy david hudson from the state of america to be on his other podcast digital killed the radio star and we did a review of the first skinnered album pronounced and it was a great time i had a blast uh yeah, we talked about the record, and you know, and I honestly, you know, I all the hits on there I've known, and I oh man, some of the songs Stacked. that I hadn't heard as much that we talked about, you know, Poison Whiskey and Mississippi Kid, and you know, it was great. It was great. It's always great to be on another person's podcast as well, you know, spreading the word and and doing that. So yeah, it was cool. It was very. Cool. I, I learned a lot. Like I a lot of good facts, you guys. I mean, you you guys both are such wells of musical knowledge i don't even have come close degree you know i'm i'm here goofing off and joking but i learned a lot and then that album is just crazy oh, stacks with all the tracks on it i uh i texted tracy hightop okay yeah, when that yeah. came out because she you knows she's a huge skinner fan i'm like hey oh, you got sure. it like brian was on this podcast talking the first skinner album and she was super hyped up to listen to and we chatted a little bit about the album so i'm sure she'll give us some feedback for sure yeah yeah definitely um hey i gotta show you after Uh i think get some gear oh after starting in the spring of 2010 and 39 bases later (laughs) uh the squire um classic vibe 60s yes i am in love with this bass and it plays the classic vibe line is really good but like the strat and fender always get high marks and i'm sure that bass that bass color matches my strat that like light blue yeah exact same color i have back there when you look at the pictures online it it looks lighter all the colors always look lighter than what they are yeah and then for my number two and i've had this just for a short time too is the yamaha broad bass yeah that's like a wine red that's nice so did you get the action figured out on? I know we were talking about setting action, doing some other stuff. Did you yeah, get all that, that was, stuff done? That was the last one of the last couple that I traded off again. So okay, but uh, I've kind of I've got it myself narrowed down to like like I'm listening to Waylon Jennings because that, that stuff, bass wise, like I can play better than like twelve bar blues. I mean, I still dig that as well, but you know. You know, and I, I don't know, I probably mentioned it before, but I have the pleasure of getting a bass lesson from Steve Jewell. Um, from Blackstone, Blackstone Cherry, Cherry, formerly of Otis. That was, that was very cool. Um, that, 
that's that's interesting you bring up uh blackstone cherry and we'll get into that for a second when you talk about the guests but i've got two shows coming up i'm really excited about brian mm -hmm. i'm gonna go see yeah so this is Thursday, February 2nd. We're recording on Saturday, February 3rd. I'm going up to Toledo to see our buddies in the Cold Stairs perform. Very cool. Yeah. I'm chatting with Chris a little bit. I may hang and get dinner with them before the show, but I'm mostly looking forward to uh, watch them play live, especially as a three-piece, because the last time I saw them, they were a two-piece when they were opening up for Larkin Poe. So digging that, because I love the stuff on the new album. And then Friday the 10th, of february in columbus i'm gonna see our buddies matt from ga20 play very cool very cool yeah so you were going to be going to rock and pod that that but give us the dates there uh that is march 17th and 18th i think or 18th and 19th it's in march in nashville <laughs> it's, in nashville added, added to the guests you know leilani is going to be there in cage from river ghost river ghost and Native Sons, we Native we Sons, had yeah. Um, yeah we've had Native Native Sons on there before. Um, Anthony Quarter from Tora Tora will be back, and if you guys remember, he was on our first Rock and Pod uh, broadcast, and Tora Tora's had some new records. I've we made the request to to talk to him. And I got to mention again, May nineteenth and twentieth in uh, in Camp Springs uh, Bluegrass Park, Elon, North Carolina, Power and Sound Revival. I'll be there. Uh, doing whatever i can to help and we got to divide and conquer brian yeah for sure yeah so that that's going to be us on the road um next gig is like well i know this summer i don't know what in order but you know whiskey myers is going to be playing skinnerd skinnerd's gonna be playing so i'm really looking forward to those especially with our buddy damon johnson playing with skinner too and you could yeah. i reach out to him and chat with him a little bit maybe you'll get yeah. a chance to say yeah. hey yeah, I, didn't, I don't know for sure if he's filling in for Gary Rossington, but he might be. He has been on yeah. all the stuff still recently, yeah. so it's out. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how what Gary's health looks like right. right now. Hey, we have a new pretend sponsor. We do. <laughs> Who is it? Ben and Elmer's Tractor in, uh, in Glasgow, <laughs> Glasgow, Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah, Glasgow, well, Glasgow, Kentucky. Uh, uh, someone on the Next Akin page was on one of the threads I had on there, and he he was talking about he, that, that's where he. You run into like Fred and Richard from the Headhunters and re run into him at uh, Ben or Elmer Ben and Elmer's tractor in Glasgow. So I just, that that sounds like the place that Richard would be. Yeah, and it sounds like a place that would that should sponsor us. <laughs> I, I think so. I think I think we should be the All Things Blues and Southern Rock podcast presented by the Kentucky Headhunters at this point. <laughs> oh, for sure. And Kentucky's big with us because. Just like, just like, you know, when David Letterman did like the top 10 list and he had us from the home office. So I figure like we got to do that for the lightning round and the home and they, it, it changes every year. But right now the home office is in Horse Cave, Kentucky. Horse Cave, Kentucky. We're so much I about like Kentucky. It. So much about Kentucky and we can't seem to get out of that state because we know a lot of people there now and we're we're, we're getting to know even more people from Kentucky. Oh, man. I was going to quote the lyrics from Space Captain when you know like I don't know what off the top of my head but lovely planet flew close by and stayed there for a while whatever I mean obviously that's you know so we're kind of like uh float or flowed we flowed we flew our paisley covered paisley colored cosmic rocket ship 
kind of Kentucky and stop for a long time because last time was uh, last week, Boone and Greg. And now this week we have uh, Richard Young on who produced the Comancheros uh, EP, Memphis to Mexico. And Tanner Jones from the Comancheros is with us as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In, <laughs> yes, he uh, is. <laughs> and yes, he is. And you're going to hear all a little bit about how what uh, Richard and Tanner worked together and you know what one knew of each other worked together and how this EP came about yeah and uh I totally missed my cue that was great Ryan it's not like we've done 150 episodes together well you know I I failed to write down like the words for space captain and I like butchered like (laughs) kind of trying to get those lyrics close but uh I saw a lovely planet flew close by something to that extent anyway Joe Cocker is that Joe Cocker song yeah, Mad Dogs and yeah. Englishman. Yeah, co- yep. covered by the Black Crows. Oh, that's right. That is right. The Black Crows yep. have covered that. That is yep. exactly yeah. And so, as anybody knows that has a conversation with Richard, it's amazingly cool, honest, funny, honest, uh, honest. A lot of left turns off the freeway, but hey, that's very cool. And it, you know, you'll hear how much he compliments Tanner and the Comancheros and yep. and. Uh, you know i'll just let you guys decide for yourself so kick back relax and listen to our conversation with tanner jones from the comancheros and richard young from the kentucky headhunters If I was a cowboy, I would saddle you a horse Take you on a three-day trail and let nature take its course If I was a cowboy, we'd go way out west Head out on the open plains and let the sun set to we're here at the guest segment of the podcast. We told you guys who's on, but Jason always introduces them for you guys anyway. Exactly. It's an always my pleasure to introduce the guest, Brian. Uh, we have a returning guest tonight and a brand new guest, a brand new friend. So returning with us, we have Richard Young from the Kentucky Headhunters. How you doing, Richard? I'm doing wonderful, sir. And we've got Tanner Jones from the Comancheros. How are you doing, Tanner? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? Good. I try to pronounce it like I was a cowboy. The Comancheros. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, it's Even like Clint Eastwood, baby. <laughs> Actually, it's it's Tanner's second time on. He was like on the like the fourth episode or fifth. Or it's yeah, the first there. time he's been on with me, so right, it doesn't right, count, right. Brian. <laughs> if you're going to have me introduce a guest, it only counts when I've seen them. <laughs> hey, they cheated on us. We haven't they seen cheated. him. That's right. Well, Tanner, welcome back, but also welcome to the first time talking. Uh, Thank you. To me, I guess. Brian? <laughs> so how did you guys get acquainted, and then how did that lead into Richard producing the record? I'll leave that to Tanner, because I'm trying to remember how in the world we met. I'm I'm betting you started talking to Michael via email first. Okay. And because Michael was so Michael books for us and more or less books and manages for us, which Michael's our drummer, which obviously Richard, you know, who is off the chain, by the way, doing that. Great. (laughs) 
He uh, and I would assume you guys probably start talking about just Michael's just always trying to get opening slots for people. So maybe he was it might have been a Thunderbolts connection or it might have just been trying to open for the headhunters. But uh, I I would have met you in person probably when we went to Kentucky to actually record would have been the first time I would have met you in person. That would be the first time that I met all you guys. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it was, it was a, uh, uh, I mean, I, whatever happened is, uh, you know, you guys wanted to do an EP and I called David Barrick, who is a monster engineer at our studio, uh, his studio that we do our, of our albums out at since we did, um, uh, actually since we did it all the universal, uh, Mercury stuff. And, uh, we grew up together. David is a, uh, you know, I've known him, his dad owned several radio stations and David's had some way to record ever since he was 14 years old. And, uh, you know, it's like, I called David, I think. And I said, David, there's this band that wants to come in and they really seem like really nice guys. And let's do this. We had no idea. Uh, really at that point, what you guys sounded like or anything. Yeah. And, and for me, I, I don't normally do that, but it's just, it's talking to Michael and, and hearing about you guys, it just seemed like a fun thing to do. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of how it came about to start with now. So take it from there, brother. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we did it. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then I think we probably, you know, sent in a couple tunes, but yeah, I mean, we didn't really, I feel like kind of. That's right. Really go That's right. You did. And, and it excited me. I thought it was interesting. Mm -hmm. And yeah, David and I uh, listened to it. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, we pretty well worked up. I mean, we ended up getting the whole album. I mean, we did nine tracks over that week together. Uh which I think we were hoping to get less than that, but we ended up getting all nine songs, I think. And then we ended up putting seven of the best ones on that, on that record. That... The EP. Yeah. So is that like it's seven songs? So like at what point does an EP turn into a record? Does that have to be a certain amount or? Uh, it's a time limit, I believe. Uh, I believe it has to hit a certain amount of uh, minutes before, I forget what that is, but there's some, line for that yeah we talked about it i remember i told you it's like it pretty much needs to be six songs to uh mm -hmm. to be uh, uh considering the ep and sure, of sure. course unfortunately record companies they want uh they want 11 songs to to include as an album but at the same time uh 11 songs is uh, an album is considered uh a situation where he could be a Grammy worthy and you can oh, yeah, always, right. uh, yeah. Remember we talked remember about this, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but what you can do is you can go back with an EP, which we did with the Georgia Thunderbolts and mm -hmm. you can actually include enough songs. The minimum, the minimum, minimum requirement for a uh, Grammy nomination is uh, 10 songs, which That's is right. now. Yeah. And, uh, and then anything above and beyond that usually turns out to be, um, uh, songs that are, uh, record labels require 
uh, songs for, you know, today you got to throw everybody a, a bone. So you got iTunes, Amazon, and all these people uh, that want uh, extra tracks for their, their sure. presentation of your record. So, uh, but the, the idea at the point when we were doing this is you guys were, were uh, recording a, uh, an EP, which we needed six or seven songs to make it complete, and which we did. Yep. And we recorded other songs. But it, it seems like that, that um, you know, right at that point, we weren't looking at, uh, I guess, going out and, uh, you know, trying to do a full LP. Sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but anyway, I, I thought we were pretty selective in what we chose. And uh, yeah, mm -hmm. I felt I felt like that uh, everything you guys did were was, uh, you know, off the chain. Well, thank you, Richard. Um, no, I have more to say about it, but I'll wait. All right. <laughs> well, so you brought up an EP. I just looked it up. An EP is considered one to three songs with one song of at least 10 minutes in length and a total running time of 30 minutes or less. Or an EP is considered four to six songs with a total running time of 30 minutes or less. So 30 minutes or less, four to six songs, or mm -hmm. one to three with a 10-minute song. Yeah. yeah. And what you get there, when you do the one to three, you're basically uh, creating a demo. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, um, any record company would go, well, these are great. What else you got? Yeah. But but if you could, if you have a, a an actual uh, six or seven song EP, it becomes a marketable uh, um uh, something they could sell. Yeah. I mean, and guys, to be honest with you, I mean, the day's so crazy. I'm not even 100% sure being old school, but it's like, you know, you got uh, streaming has become the the uh, the major uh, focus these days. So if you do, if you do three songs, that's great. If you, if you got a, uh, major label behind you and they're going to see if you work but mm -hmm. any more labels what they do is uh if you give them three songs they're going to say well let's put one out on these kids and see if it streams mm -hmm. streams is the magic word today right right sure and to, to be honest with you is and, and this is speaking strictly from a headhunter standpoint when streaming hit uh <laughs> It's crazy, but I got a. Uh, I always got statements from from publishing companies, from also Universal, and also uh, after our first four projects with uh, Universal, uh, we uh, created our own label, Practice House Records, and we would we would get the. We had a company called uh, Bug Music, who uh, was you know had. Howlin' Wolf, they had Stevie Ray Vaughan, had these guys, and they were eventually purchased by um, uh, BMG Christmas. And so, with that said, what happened was uh, from that point, we worked with them straightforward. All right. And that's after the Universal stuff. And so, when streaming hit, I thought, oh my goodness, we're doomed. 
And to be honest with you, streaming has, has uh, I got a, I got a statement and I got to tell you this because it's pretty crazy. I used to get paper from uh, BMG Christmas and it's like, you know, it'd be like two inches thick. Okay. Here's what played this time. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden I got, I got a phone book almost in the mail. Uh, it looked like a New York phone book and, uh, it was front and back pages, and and as I looked through it, I was like, I kept finding one song that would go, okay, 17 pages, 18 pages. And I said, when I saw the thing, I said, I'm going to buy a new pickup. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, uh, at that point, streaming was just starting to edge in. Mm. And uh, it's like, you know, I went through 18 pages front and back and I got like $20 for one song. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, so it started out, but they're, they're starting to get a handle on it through the, through the government and different facets and make it a little bit more, um, palatable for musicians. And, uh, it didn't start out that way. It was, it, you know, it was a new, it was a new game, new game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Richard, I got a question for you. Uh, Richard, yes, uh, do you find that you have other songs that are more popular on streaming now than you did when it was more hard copy medium? Like, do you find that now that they're streaming, people are diving into other songs that weren't as popular before, maybe? I do. Yeah. And and, and that's a good thing. And it's a great question, uh, Tanner, because... Question. Uh, I think that what's happened is that uh, people are searching out uh, B-sides, they're searching out album cuts, and they're downloading those things. So just, just and not to bring our business into it, but actually streaming has helped the Kentucky Headhunters business. Mm -hmm. Because I it. Our, our band is a... Uh, we started out this way all of our lives because we grew up with Cactus, Led Zeppelin, Free, mm -hmm. all these bands, and people made albums in those days. They didn't make uh, 45 singles. Mm -hmm. So what I've seen happen over the past three or four years is with the Headhunters in particular is people are finding out about songs that were if they didn't buy the album, then they didn't get the songs. But now all of a sudden with streaming, people are reaching out and they're finding songs that they never knew existed. Mm -hmm. And our, yeah. as far as a, any, any band and it's a very great question is, uh, it seems that people are because of streaming, they're searching out to find, uh, album cuts and, and yeah. uh, obscure tracks and that sort of thing. Yeah. So have it's you, actually, uh, yeah, it's actually uh, helped. The, it's helped the headhunters. I can tell you. Have you adjusted your live set at all to accommodate any songs that maybe weren't considered to be played live before because they've done so well on streaming? I, I, I've, we've tried to some, yes. Mm -hmm. You know, the thing about the headhunters is when we set out to do what we were doing, is uh, just like Itchy Brother, you know, we, just so people that don't know, 
Itchy Brother was our group that we had from 68 to 88 or whatever. And then, we, you know, Doug came into the band and we morphed into the Headhunters because Anthony decided not to try for another record deal. And uh, for the folks that don't know out there, I mean, once we got out of high school, um, Capricorn Records have been watching us like a basketball player, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And they they brought us to uh, Georgia and were grooming us to uh, be on Capricorn Records. And at, at that point, it went belly up. It didn't work out from a label standpoint. And uh, we came home, licked our wounds, and hooked up with uh, Led Zeppelin's label, Swan Song Records. And, uh, you know, we were doing that, and we were getting groomed to do that sort of thing. And all of a sudden, uh, John Bonham passes. So it totally, wiped, unfortunately, um, you know, did away with uh, our opportunity as well as Led Zeppelin and Swan Song Records. And uh, it was a sad time, but Mitchell Fox, who worked with us and still works with us on a capacity on our early albums uh, as a manager, uh, I managed the band pretty much, you know, past that point. But, uh, you know, the early Mercury stuff and all that we did. But, you know, I see a, I see a whole lot of change. Mitchell and I laugh about it. He'll call me up and said. I thought streaming was going to kill us and it didn't. So, uh, yeah, you, absolutely. The album cuts are, are definitely, uh, starting to rise above the stream. So, you know, you got your, you got your songs that people are very, very familiar with. Sure. Anything, sure. anything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, smoke on the water, you know, the purple, yeah. um, you know, Kentucky Headhunters, Dumas Walk, or whatever it is, those are just songs that just don't die. Mm-hmm. And you have those, and obviously they they uh, they stay true and they stay strong. But it's good to see that I love getting on a site uh, to look at our uh, streaming and see a song like Back to the Sun from Grass String Ranch is, is doing well because people are interested in it. Yeah. So I, I feel like that as, uh, as much as when CDs went away completely, uh, it may have opened some doors for people to be a little more educated on, uh, the album cuts and, and things that the deep cuts just say. Sure. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Speaking about that discovery last night after I ordered, you know, Memphis to Mexico, I ordered, songs from the grass string ranch and dixie lullabies just mm. from you know and, and, and i'm glad richard you're talking about how this like actually is helping because i know there's all this the issues with musicians not getting paid as much but like i can listen to a couple of songs go yeah this record is great and so i did that you know and that's now i've got and it makes you want to buy the whole coming, album because you, you know? could sort of test drive it like a car and, and i think actually what got me into you guys was just i think the i mean i've always known about dumas walker but uh, uh, Beaver Creek Mansion. I just love that song, and that's what got me into you guys. Thanks, man. I yeah. appreciate that. You know, uh, actually, uh, uh, there was a period of time where Doug left with his brother in the band, and uh, 
Mark Orr, who's an old friend of ours from Itchy Brother, who sang with Itchy Brother during the time, came in, uh, you know, stepped in, thank God, and did we did Rave On and uh, uh, the first Johnny Johnson album. And, uh, uh, you know, it's this that album, uh, Grass String Ranch, uh, for me was, uh, and it's done quite well, by the way. Um, but it's like coming off of the Mercury thing and doing the, uh, Ray Vaughn album, which was, uh, the interim when the Phelps boys left for a while. And then, uh, Mark came in and Anthony, our cousin came back from Mitchie brother. We did Ray Vaughn and then we did the first Johnny Johnson album. And it was just, it was just, a it was a transition time. Because, hey, guys, let's face it. I mean, we went from Capricorn and Led Zeppelin label to getting a record deal in country music, mm-hmm. which, I mean, if somebody told me that in the 70s, I'd laugh them out of the room. But it set up a precedent for us to be able to bring other things that the band was capable of into the, you know, visibility. I guess if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I, I feel like, you, you know, you're 100% right. Grass Chain Ranch and those uh, albums are just off the chain. And, uh, uh, you know, Dixie, hey, Dixie Lullabies, you know, sonically is, uh, it wasn't the best sounding album we did, but I thought the songwriting was great on it. And I also think that, uh, you know, we did it in our old practice house and it was like zero when we did it. It was cold and we, uh, you know, freezing cold. And, and, uh, you know, we had, uh, actually Jamie Johnson's guitar player at the time came up and brought some equipment and we had some equipment and we did it there. But it's like the songwriting on that album is just, uh, as I look back, I think it's some of the best stuff I've written. Was that a, was that Rowdy? Yeah, Rowdy. No, not Rowdy. No. It was, um, shit, Rowdy passed away. It was, uh, Jesus Christ, where am I? I'm, I'm lost for a second. It was the other guitar player that played with Jamie Johnson. And I am so sad. I can't remember because he actually co-produced the record with us. Um, but it was, it was a great album. And it was a, it was a pain in the ass boys. I'm just going to tell you because (laughs) it was like a snow on the ground, three feet deep. And we did it. We pulled it off and the practice house is not really a real warm place to be, you know, in the winter time. And, uh, but we did it, and I, and I think, but I, I appreciate you guys enjoying that record. And I feel like that, uh, you know, get back to the streaming thing. Uh, as I look at the uh, paperwork and that sort of thing, those songs are very well received uh, from the audience. And, and they probably would have never heard of those songs unless they bought the album, which they got it on streaming. Yeah. So I've got a question. So this is Richard going from you to Tanner. And so as an established band with, you know, great success and a following, the streaming has helped you guys 
reestablish connections, people to kind of learn, you know, get into songs they haven't. Who really, we are, who we are. Know, right. Now, Tanner, for, you know, you've got your third record out from Memphis, New Mexico, just came out last November. Mm-hmm. How, as a newer band, does the streaming hurt, hurt you or help you? Oh, oh. Like a... oh, go ahead, Richard. Hey, you go first. I'm going to get a beer. No. <laughs> I get me I, uh, one too while you're at it, Richard. All right, I'll get it. I mean, it, it has its obvious uh, negatives, you know, that not, you know, the capital doesn't equal, uh, you know, listens thing. But I mean, it's, uh, you know, it gets us straight to everybody's bedroom and their headphones. And, you know, it's, uh, yeah, the, the, I, I feel like the, moving everything moving to the internet kind of created like a new wild wild west to some extent you know and i think now it's kind of clamping down a little more again and i'll be kind of interested to see what the next wild wild west for music will be i think now it's a little more uh the social media platforms and streaming platforms have got more of a handle on what they kind of want you to hear than versus like you just being able to organically throw things around but i mean for us it does a good job and just uh you know we can immediately have somebody listen to something which might uh translate into a shirt sale or coming to a show when we're in town and that's you know so it's uh i don't know it's you know it's the only world we've ever really known too so you kind of just you can sit around being upset about it or just try to use it for how it can help you you know so getting back to Memphis to Mexico, like well, well let me let me interject oh, something. Go ahead, uh, Brian, please. <laughs> yes, is, uh, just just from my standpoint sure. of what he just said is you know, uh this is fifty-four years that uh, you know we've been doing our thing with the headhunters and itchy brother before that. And one of the things that impressed me so much about the uh you know commoncheros is how they are able to in a professional way to oversee their business i mean these guys showed up you know they the first show that i saw them at, listen i've never seen them live and i gotta tell you i gotta be honest with you is i had no idea what they were like i mean i loved what they were doing and i was uh, appreciative of producing their EP, and uh, we'll talk about that later. I have my favorites, but they showed up and opened for the Headhunters. Where was it? Uh, what was the first show? Uh, uh might, might have been uh, is it Lampy, Missouri, down there at that amphitheater? Yeah, at the amphitheater. Yeah. You guys showed up, it rang like pouring piss out of a boot. Yeah. I know, but as all these bikers were there. But uh, I went out for the, to watch the guys play, and I uh, also had uh, all of our crew guys were out there, and Fred and, and this one and that one. And I got to be honest with you guys, they blew me away because I had not seen a band uh, maybe since 74 or 75 come out on stage and, and like bring it as far as a three piece band mm-hmm. that had, uh, 
they had the look, they had the sound, they had their vibe. It was just them. It wasn't anybody else. It was, it was, even though they had influences and I caught those immediately, they, it was like I was seeing ZZ Top meets Motorhead. <laughs> and it was right. <laughs> so, thank you, Richard. With that said, is that's that's what selling this man is live. I really feel that. So he's gonna say, "You got to see him live, Brian." No, I, I want to see sure. him live. Sure. I want to see. Come on, Tanner. Sure. I want to see you guys live. So you guys so talk about how you got are, and, and listen, their music is great. It sounds yes. great. Yes. If you see them live. You get this heartfelt thing that's just like you don't see anymore. In, and I, I don't it, know how to explain it, but it's like they turn me on. And that's tough as a trio, right? Because you're limited on the amount of sound you have. But exactly. I, I think back to the original incarnation of Government Mule when they were a power trio and how spectacular and full that band sounded. So that's kind of what I'm getting from you, Richard, they might be kind of like, again, a ZZ Top, which sounds like, you know, a real full musical experience. And the records are great from, from the Comancheros. They're awesome. Yeah, you're 100% right. But, you know, the thing that got me, and of course, uh, Warren Haynes is a great friend of mine. And I've known him. Actually, to be honest with you, Warren and I were going to start a rock band. There was a period of time where Fred and Greg were filling in with country artists to make some money. And Warren wanted to call me and wanted us to start a little band and that sort of thing. It never happened, but, but anyway, we've been friends ever since. And, uh, but it's like the, the thing about, uh, the mute music proficiency of government mule was off the chain. All right. Mm -hmm. Now, the same thing applies to the boys is what they're doing with, uh, uh, you know, with the common cheros, but it's different. It's more raw. It's not as uh, refined. Mm -hmm. It's, it reminds me of, like I told you, it's like, it's like ZZ top meets, uh, motorhead. Oh. Yeah, yeah, like a punk metal it's, ZZ it's Top. Punk metal ZZ Top. I love it. But when I saw them, I was like, uh, they were opening for us in Lampy, and I walked out because I always when try to go. That's how I found the Georgia Thunderbolts. But I always go out and see bands because I appreciate uh, young bands, mm -hmm. and they just had this this. Uh, charisma that just uh, on stage. I mean, you can listen to the records, but you got to see them live. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so basically, I have like a, a production question. I know you guys talked about how you got acquainted. Was there a point? Did it just materialize that that you were going to produce, or did you, did Tanner? Did you ask him? That's the first question. Second question is from to Richard. What what is your role as a producer? How can you define that to us? Geez, I don't know. Uh, I, I just, man, when they called me, there was something that kind of clicked with me. And that's all I can tell you on that part. But 
for me, it's, uh, and by the way, I must bring David Barrick in with me on this, who owns a studio where we record ever since the universal days. Uh, David, his dad owned several radio stations and David, ever since he was a kid was packing the cassette player around recording bands and it grew and grew and grew. And, um, I've known him ever since he was a little boy, but is all we love recording there. He has some kind of magic. And I, I think, uh, the, uh, commentaries would agree. It's, it, he has the ability to pull the real organic feel out of bands. If you're that kind of band. And so we always worked with David all of our life, but what I guess what really uh, intrigued me to do this was uh, uh, that just that first off, they got to be good people. Brian is I, I can't, I can't monkey with people that are arrogant or I'm too old, man. You know, <laughs> it's got to be somebody fun and, and somebody driven that really believe, or otherwise I'd never work Blackstone Cherry, my son's band, or I wouldn't work the Georgia Thunderbolts because, you know, I, I got my own bag to do with the headhunters and, and if I, I, but I love to help young bands, but they, uh, the thing that really intrigued me the most about them was that they were driven and they were positive, positive is the word. Hey, we want to do this thing. So does that answer your question? I'll yeah, jump off. Yeah. More like, like what, what is your, when you're getting into the studio, what do you, how can you explain what your role as a producer, what does a producer Oh, I'm do? sorry. Okay. I got off track a little bit. Um, I'm a field guy. I really am. I mean, it's like uh, David and I are like a one-two punch. I'll be honest with you, David Barrick and I. And what we do is David is basically a genius sonically. And, but that's, for me, I'm the, I'm the heartbeat. I'm the guy who goes, we got we to gotta make this do this or that. And David knows exactly what I'm talking about. And he will absolutely dial that in to make that for me. There I, were, uh, and I know that sounds a little crazy, but it's just, uh, Tanner, you've seen it. It's like, uh, it's like when, when, when David and I are doing our one, two thing, it's like yeah. he, he has, uh, first off, he has the best, best, uh, organic old equipment in the world. And he knows how to manipulate it. And yeah. when he and I, um, when he and I put that together with, with my heartfelt thing, you know, from where I come from, I'm a songwriter, uh, and the songs got to be there. I just, if the song's not there, I, I can't help you. And the, but, uh, all that, right. You, you tell me what yeah. you felt from it, Tanner. Well, there were, there were a couple examples where it was, you know, like, uh, yeah, it, it, it was nice for me as a guitar player and a singer, having you there as a guitar player and a singer and David, I mean, yeah, uh, he, I feel like he kind of, well, and this is specifically talking about, there were a couple times where we would do solos and I would basically stand in the control room with everybody 
and I would play those solos and like basically play them to Richard as it was recording. And it was kind of like, you know, he would sort of almost, you know, instruct me in which ones made, you know, him feel more, you know, and we would take the feel. The, it's all about the feel. Yeah. We would, you know, we would take the track that was like, yeah, maybe I played the same solo twice. And, you know, I was like two feet from Richard playing these with, you know, with him sitting there. So it was kind of a, uh, more than just a, yeah, do it again, as it was like he's sitting there and I, you know, smiling when he likes it. And, you know, like we're kind of almost where our energies are like working off each other, you know, a little bit too, which is cool. And, and I feel like in those moments too, David had a really neat perspective of kind of thinking about it. You know, he was listening to the whole tune, I feel like, you know, and let's not work with everything else. So it was kind of like in those moments, at least, Richard and I could look at the four or the trees and David was kind of looking at the forest, you know, and then like seeing which of those things jived the best together. And that was a really neat equation, I think, for capturing some really cool. And these are specifically when I'm doing the solo stuff for the songs, you know, and uh, kind of like three, you know, it's most of it was stuff I'd wrote ahead of time, but a lot of it was improvised too. And it was, but like, three people's minds and kind of hearts all working together to come to their, the best. And since we're all standing three feet apart, it's like, you know, you can't help but think, well, and just know that we were all, you know, driving together same in that page. room. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, exactly. it's like I'm, looking, I'm looking at everybody's face while I'm playing these and I can see when somebody's enjoying it, you know, and I feel like that, that adds to how you play the next lick or the next line. And, it was a really neat way to capture that stuff. You know, that's very good that you brought that up. You know, uh, just uh, from a different situation, uh, and I don't, I've never told this to anyone, but uh, when we were doing Blackstone Cherries first, <laughs> Chris Robertson, bless his heart, I wore him out, but we, uh, on the... Uh, the uh, song Rain Wizard, which is on the first album, is he was in the studio, and uh, and I you know I was really hard on those kids because my son's in the band. I was trying to you know, golly, they were seven, sixteen, seventeen years old when they were doing mm -hmm. the first album. But a really funny point was uh, Chris and I still laugh about it is. Uh, is we, you know, he did the Rain Wizard solo, and every time he'd do it, I'd say, No donut. That's my no saying. Donut. Remember me saying that to you about, a couple yeah, of them? oh, yeah, yeah, no donut. You don't get on donut, you didn't win. <laughs> and, uh, you know, unfortunately, today kids get a prize for being second best, but you don't, you can't do that. So yeah, it's yeah. unfortunate, but, uh, uh, anyway, it got to the point where Chris was in tears and he was about ready to throw the guitar through the glass window. <laughs> but anyway, he, he got so intense that he played that solo on Rain Wizard. If you listen to that, it's one of the greatest rock solos I've ever heard. But uh, that's what I was trying to pull out of you, man. Yeah. Did you make Tanner? Did he make you cry? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, 
you know, I, I, yeah, hey, listen, I would never try to pull anything out of anybody if they were incapable of it. And I oh, knew like you a, were. Like so, a good coach. Like a good yeah, coach. Yeah. Well, exactly. Richard, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if you remember this, but so we recorded a whole week and we got there on Monday and my grandma passed away that day. Wow. And I didn't tell anybody until we were on the uh, last song. Last minute. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that last song was is called uh, If I Could Pick a Way to Go. And I remember you and I were sitting there and we were just kind of playing through it. And I think we just did like, you know, one take me on a guitar and singing and John one take on slide. And so crying in a different way. But yeah, it was... Uh, I remember yeah. when we got there, my mom called me, and it was like I kind of had to, I had to think I got to compartmentalize this for a week. You know, I had a job to do. Yeah. And uh, I remember that was that was when I told you guys was the was before we cut that last tune, and uh, that's probably the first time I've told anybody that story actually. But wow. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I love the whole EP we did. Mm-hmm. But I gotta tell you, is that song is my favorite. Yeah, we're actually doing a music video for that song on Sunday. Nice. Oh, really? Yep. Well, we're uh, we're we're going to this bar where Michael and I met because we were the session guy or the the house guys. Yeah. He was the house drummer, and I was the house guitar player. It's this country bar called Nash Vegas, and. We're going to have our dads come in and dress up as us and play us in the future. And then uh, they're going to be going through the bar and having flashbacks. And that will like then switch to us as young in the bar and then go oh back. Oh, my goodness. That's going to be great. But, yeah, you know, gotta, it, I, I got to tell you, is here's the thing about that song. And, and you know, the fact, you know, listen, I lost, Fred and I lost our parents a few years ago and yeah, it's a it's a hard road to hoe, but the thing that impressed me the most about that song, when I heard you do it, and I heard the boys play, and John played uh, uh, played guitar on it and everything, is uh, it was like Jimmy Rogers, and it, all the other stuff on the album is like, you know, I mean, if you listen to you guys, to me, it comes across like. Uh, you know, like a Midwest band, uh, a head east. Uh, uh, sure. And you, by the way, your vocals are very uh, undeniably original. Your sound, Thank you. the sound, you mm-hmm. know, and it's like, it's like, it's the guys, you can't, you can't make it without uh, undeniable vocal sound. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't care if it's Lou Reed, Alice Cooper. If it's uh, Johnny Cash, whoever it is, once you hear a, a band or a singer or the vocalist or whatever they are, it has to be undeniable and recognizable. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, yeah, absolutely. that's the identity. Like the, uh, the identity. And listen, uh, hey, listen, the music carries the other side of it. It has to be. The other partners in the band have to be unique and different. But to present the lyric and the melody of a song, the singer has to be recognizable. And uh, 
what I think going on here with these guys is they, uh, it impressed me is even if they, uh, you know, our Midwest guys who influenced by head East or cheap trick or any of those bands is, it still comes across as recognizable. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I gotta be honest with you. We did all those other songs and like, like uh, Tanner said, uh, his ground, his family had passed, and but when they did that song, it's like it was literally uh, there's there's a whole other fold of this band that people don't even know about, and it's it's that depth of people like Jimmy Rogers and uh, Hank Williams, and I ain't talking about Junior. I'm talking about old man Hank. <laughs> You know, Junior's a friend of mine, but it's the, uh, the old people and the, the Jimmy Rogers and all that that early uh, music that, uh, who's our buddy that did all the recording back in the day? You you know it. Uh, oh, dang on it. Uh, it did all the early recording of the blues and the country stuff. Is There's something in this band that has that kind of vibe and uh i hate to be so ignorant i forgot right now but uh it's not just you know midwest rock and roll here there's something way more there's way more depth to this band than that and uh that's what intrigues me about them and uh what i love about them and and that song was what shown me that there was that that element there uh you know if i could choose a way to die because it, it, all of a sudden it went from okay we got all these rock and roll guys here doing their you know 70s and early 80s rock and then all of a sudden they went into that song and i was like this is way deeper than i expected and that's kind of how i feel about the whole band Thank you. Ask my favorite track on the EP so far as if I was a cowboy. How did that come about? That's Richard's favorite too. Hmm. You know, uh, my, that's my second favorite. Now yeah, my second favorite. favorite. I'm sorry, second second yeah. favorite. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If I was a cowboy, Michael wrote the lyrics to that, and John wrote all the guitar stuff. I wrote the solo in it, but the uh, yeah, it was kind of. Um, it's sort of told, you know, they were kind of thinking uh, sort of from a nerdy guy's point of view or like a guy who, you know, wishes he was more than he was. And it's like if I was a cowboy, we were actually going to do a music video for that one at one time where which we may still yet. But where, uh, you know, where a guy's kind of daydreaming about how he might be able to get the girl if he was a cowboy, you know. And uh, or a yeah. rock star. Or a rock star, yeah. yeah or, can... or a bulldozer driver. Yeah, it, it could be. <laughs> hey, listen, girls love bulldozer drivers. Yeah, um, they love heavy equipment. That is true. Yeah, you fill in the blank for what it would be for you. But, <laughs> exactly. you know, but, but, it, uh, but yeah, that's kind of the idea behind it. You know, it's it's kind of like that. Uh, I do love uh, that song, by the way. Yeah. Kind of like that city slickers, like one thing, you know. But uh, Or yeah. or you could be 
Richard Young, who never had a girlfriend, uh, got married. So, uh, you know, it's, it's always that way. Cindy and I have been married for two years. So, uh, so the rock and roll lifestyle is a lie is what I'm hearing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly. Hey, we always, hey, we married local girls, uh, the headhunters. We, uh, you know, I, I didn't have a, I didn't have a driver's license. I mean, a, a vehicle till I was 35. And uh, my wife, who is my girlfriend, she would come pick me up because yeah. somebody in the band had to step it up and have a, a vehicle. So I had a step van. So uh, I never had a car, you know, until I was 35. I got my first vehicle when I was 35 years old uh, after the Headhunters hit. And it was a uh, 1983 Ford pickup. Nice. But, uh, uh, until that, it was just a step van. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Somebody's got to take a shot, man. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm fond of Yellow Roses. I think that's a good one. Even the title or even the first track, Old Mexico. But Yellow Roses, I think, is really really good tune. Yeah, that one's about a an ex of mine. I wrote. I, that's always a good subject on, on our second <laughs> record. I have a song called you're around about a girl I dated briefly in college who proceeded to stock, stalk me, stalk oh. me, stalk, stalk me after breaking up with her. Oh, wow. Well, I never had that you're around. Everywhere I, I, I was, she was there. Mine are trying to get rid of me. I can't even imagine a life like that. Well, normally that's not what I have. That's why I had to write a song about it. I'm like, why the hell would somebody like, yeah, so anyway. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I sure. I mean, it's not cool, but cool song. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll send you a link, Tanner. You can yeah, I can't to wait to hear it. Give, give yeah. me your uh give me your opinion on there. But no, it's a it's a great um it's a great record, a great EP, man. I I think Richard aptly described you guys as kind of a mix of ZZ Top and a Motorhead or more of like a, you know, a punkier rock uh mix and it works really well for you guys uh the guitar work i love it like all you know licks across the board on there really good licks you guys have a full sound and uh i mean i, I like richard said i need to see you guys live i need to see how this translates to the stage yeah man I, I trust me you gotta see this band live it's like uh to me it's like is you know I, we did the album the ep and uh it was so much fun and what great people to work with. And David and I both loved them. And, but it's like they opened a couple of shows for us. And I was like, Holy cow, this is, uh, this is very different, you know, and, but, but it has reminisce of real rock and roll. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but that's just like, like I told you a while ago. I love all the songs on the the EP we did, and I love the because they're all the same thing. And by the way, uh, you know the music is off the chain, but also uh, Tanner's voice is very recognizable Definitely. on all the tracks, and that's very important for a rock band because you know you can't be um, noted on radio or any other format if they can't recognize the singer. And I, I think that he does a wonderful job of bringing that to the table. 
but as I said, is uh, you know, uh, way to die is they just they, they freak me out with that, and I and I, I'm sure there's more of that in them. There's a lot of depth in this band that people have not even they haven't scratched the surface. I don't think. I think there's a lot more of of, uh, of depth in that band. Uh, Richard, did I ever tell you that like our third gig we played, uh, this guy was like came up and after we played, he's like, "Hey man, I got to tell you, you should not be the singer of this band. You sound like shit." <laughs> <laughs> well, you probably do, but you know, so did Lou Reed, yeah. and, and so did uh, Iggy Pop. Yeah, but it, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, but, yeah, so yeah. don't ever let that deter you. Uh, uh, Tanner, I think your voice is prettier than both of those guys, Tanner. My, my well, opinion. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, listen. Is I could pick you out of a million. All right, that's all it counts. Yeah. <laughs> you can sing on key, and which I can't do. That's why I don't <laughs> sing. Hey, listen. You know, uh, the Headhunters. Uh, a good example. Uh, you know, uh, I don't have a very good voice, but guess what? When they hear me, they know who I am. That's true. And that's that's what really counts, guys, in, in, in the real world. And yeah. uh, I, I made a, a joke about Iggy Pop and, uh, you know, the Sex Pistols, good example. And, it, it, you know, if you don't have that persona, that people connect to as an original sounding voice. Hey, yeah. listen, uh, well, you know, Headhunters open for Bob Dylan. It was great. Wow. But I never, Bob Dylan's not a great singer by any no, means. I never grew up listening to Bob Dylan, but I'll be damned if his songs would be worth the shit. He didn't sound the way he did. Yeah. I mean, he's a and great a songwriter. Yeah. He's a songwriter. But he's also, hey, Neil Young, uh, you know, none of us are the greatest. Uh, you know, we're not going to ever be paparazzis. Yeah, but the yeah. thing of it is, it doesn't make any difference. If you can sell a song and people recognize your voice, that's the selling point. You can, well, you I got, see Tanner, got, I think you're wearing it. Oh, go ahead, Brian. Sorry, Richard, I know you, you got, got a Lu Louisiana Coco. Uh, Boone's Farm Boogie, Deep South Blues, and that you'd sound like totally natural to have those songs. Like, you almost got like a with you know, the ZZ Top Billy Gibbons, you know, beginning of uh, of LaGrange, you know, you, you, it's just that nobody else could sing those songs. That's well, opinion. I appreciate that. It, you know, uh, is I'm a rock singer and uh. You know, I was a I was a singer when Itchy Brother was working with uh, Led Zeppelin's label and all that, and it kind of got sideways. And we did another thing, and I stepped back. But it's like it's so good today to be able to write songs that I can sing in the band within the band, you know. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I got I got a little Sammy Hagar going on there. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> or somebody I don't know. Yeah, but it's I like really, I really like the uh, "Let's All Get Together and Fight." You singing that's that one? That's Christmas classic. The last couple of years of my house. Oh, thank you. You know, it's like Greg said. Uh, Damn, Richard, you sang all this rock stuff, and you turn around, and you're like his country crooner. 
And uh, so I'm, I'm very happy that I'm able to uh, present songs in different mediums that, that work for people. And uh, that comes a lot from growing up at our home with our dad, who was a pianist. And, uh, you know, we, we loved like, you know, Benny Goodman and, uh, you know, Frank Sinatra, uh, uh, you know, all those guys. And so it rubbed off, but at the same time, uh, to be able to, uh, you know, sing some charge and rock means something to me. Yeah. Cause I'm much, you know, my favorites to be able to sing deep South blues again, or, uh, on the new album, what's a new song I did on the new album, um, uh, Darn! Didn't it suck to be old? Uh, <laughs> Dude, I can't remember what? stuff even at forty-seven. I, that was a new song that I did. Uh, well, anyway, don't make no never mind. But uh, it did pretty good. But uh, uh, I'll think of it. You know, it's, it's uh, recall is terrible. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, yeah, man, I really appreciate that because it's I really as much as a rhythm guitar player is and uh songwriting and, and being able to present a song were over, always uh, the most important thing to me and uh, uh so i really appreciate you saying that so tanner what's the what's the touring plans looking like oh uh, oh sorry Richard, what? go 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 oh i say we're just we're trying to get as much as we can get anywhere we can get it so this february we're i think we're heading out to Texas and then going out to the Carolinas and kind of doing a little Southern thing here for February and just trying to, I don't know. M Michael does a great job of booking us for being, you know, just the drummer. I, mean, I hate to say just the drummer in the band, but like anytime you got a guy, you know, it, it's all pretty well done in house. So he does an amazing job for uh, just being one of us, you know, and he, uh, so we'll go wherever Michael takes us, I guess. Come you 33 know, Rhythm and Brews and walk in. I, I got to say something real quick. Yeah. You know, is I have to hand it off to Michael because he is absolutely, I've never seen anybody uh, who didn't have a booking agent, uh, which this, this band should be on a record, major record label. It should have a major booking agent should have everything. These guys have got a van, by the way, the coolest van I've ever seen in my life. It's got a computer. It looks like something the state police own. Red, <laughs> it's beautiful. And they got a trailer. And But Michael has done an amazing job. Everybody in this band has got a clue. I mean, they really... Uh, John is like, he's the mechanic yeah. He's yeah, got John's it all a... down. He knows how to do it. And John, John is is like uh, unbelievable at booking shows for this band. And it it, it appalls me. It really does <laughs> because uh, they, you know, some major label needs to pick this band up because they are so above any other bands are signing as far as music uh, songs. And also uh, their ability to get around. But I mean, it's like they show up at our gigs and they're like, here we are in this big tour bus, this trailer and everything. And it's like, I almost feel embarrassed because they show up in this big red van with like 
a computer that the state police have. <laughs> and it's like they got all this stuff going on. I'm like, dang, man, I feel so insufficient. <laughs> I really do because they got it together. Maybe they're tracking down wanted criminals in between gigs for a, little extra, a couple extra bucks. <laughs> I just never, I, I don't, I've never seen anything like it in my life. I'll be Brian's honest. Brian's like the fall guy. You know, they're stuntmen, <laughs> but when they don't have stunt gigs, they're tracking down bail jumpers. So uh, Tanner, they, think they, about it. <laughs> and they got, they got a trailer like almost 18 feet long and they have a dressing room in it. They have all Holy this crap. stuff. <laughs> I've never, I've band. never seen. Nobody has ever opened for us in the history of the headhunters that had it together as much as the guys do. They really, they really got it together. So, how about touring plans for the headhunters? What What are we looking at here in the future? Well, you know, we we did uh, 2020. We only played eight shows, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, COVID hit, of course. And so we moved a lot of stuff to 21 and even some went to 22 and I'll be honest with you. We played way more, way more than I had dreamed that we would, would even be able to play for 2021, 20, 22, but it was, it was very successful. And, uh, so our booking agent in August, I called him, I said, don't book anything after Halloween. We got to rest, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, we did it, and we've been off since Halloween, and we go back March the 3rd and 4th, wide open. I mean, uh-huh. it's like, you know, and it's like the first gig's 900 miles, you know, Sioux City, oh. Iowa, into Hard Rock. And then down to Kansas and then, uh, and then back home, but, uh, it's all good, but, uh, I have to send out to my friend, uh, you know, uh, from Otis, a good friend, Boone Froggett, who is absolutely hooked me up with this because, you know, last night we tried to, to do this. And of course me being a dinosaur, I have no idea what I'm doing. And we worked on the phone for two hours today, and he said that before we could get together. So, and Otis is rocking, by the way. Yeah, uh, that's what we hear. Uh, that's what Greg and uh, Boone were telling us. Oh man, you know uh, the drummer retired, and uh, but John and Boone uh, put it back together, and it's off the chain. Uh, actually, Boone has been working for the Headhunters uh, in the interim. Doing, uh, he's overseeing things like me hooking me up with y'all, the, uh, you know, uh, on site stuff, all that, seeing about our uh, Instagram and uh, doing a wonderful job. But I'm sure that I'm going to be sad soon because the Otis is going to be touring again and uh, he won't be able to go out with us a lot, which will be sad because he's yeah, a wonderful yeah. guy. But I'm so gym. glad they are. They are bad boys. They're, yeah. Boone is like the, the headhunters merch production and tech specialist. <laughs> no, he, he's on it. And of course, we got our great crew guys, Derek Crump, uh, who is like, you know, uh, major uh, crew guy, uh, oversees the stage, the, uh, uh, you know, 
drums, the monitors, everything, advancing, uh, you know, production. And then, uh, also, uh, Cody Jaggers, who does guitars and, uh, Steve Wilson, who was originally with Steve Ray Vaughn. And when Steve passed, he, uh, he came out with us and he ain't left 33 years. So, uh, well, we have a wonderful bunch of people. Good. Right on. Right on. You need that. You need that to keep going on. Oh, yeah, man. We're all old school. I mean, it's like even our young guys. And we got to have these young guys because we can't load equipment. In. We're too old. Looks like Tanner's been replaced by a cat. It does. <laughs> it does. Exactly. That's a, a nice-looking nice cat. Yeah. But, but we're very lucky, boys. We have uh, – a great crew and Sorry, uh, <laughs> all of our guys. Ryan and I have pets. And then and then uh, Tanner and them are gonna come out and help us when we can't load our equipment anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and you just yeah. found out right now. Hey, they have before. They've helped and, us, you know. Tag me in. But uh, it's been a great get together, guys, and and uh, let's hopefully that um, you know. Let's see much more from uh, the Common Cheros because they're yeah they are a special band and uh, you know you know like I said I've been out in the truck night listening just refreshing my memory on songs and uh, I, I I have to say that it's so diverse and different and but deep so yeah. deep and let's uh, you know let's wish for great things for them. Absolutely. And, and Tanner, I have a super important question for you. Yeah, what's up? Do you actually like Natty Light? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what now? I, I, like, uh, I, like, I like cheap. I like okay. cheap a lot. The, actually, my friend, go ahead. I said my two requirements are cheap and gets me drunk. That's about mine. Okay. Okay. All right. Richard, I asked him if he actually likes that natural light that he's drinking over here. Hey, man. My, my friend Brian, who also is the drummer in, in our band, he drinks Natty Light. I'm like, you can't possibly like that. Like, I know you can get better beer than that. And he, he likes it. I'm like, oh, God, it's got to be ice cold. You got to drink it real fast so you don't taste yeah, it. Yeah. You well, got to be hot and sweaty. I keep these, I keep these uh, room temperatures. So it's really. Yeah. Oh, God. Do you drink the Natter Days or just. <laughs> I did. I actually, I really like the blueberry one, but we played this Fourth uh, of July party, and they put the porta potty right by the stage, and they gave me the turbo turbo dumps. And <laughs> like halfway through, I had to decide whether or not I was going to go take a like a yeah. full on porto session in front of the entire audience, or if I was going to yeah. power through it. And I, I decided to power through it rather than just go take a you know. So. I'll be honest like with you, boys. Hey. You know, uh, the headhunters have been going to Europe the past few years. And, uh, I mean, you have to put a, a gun in somebody's head to get a damn bag of ice. You ain't going to get no yeah, ice. Yeah, they don't do yeah. ice. No. no, they don't do yeah. ice over there. No. So, I, I almost quit drinking beer over that. Because <laughs> you I, like the room temperature? <laughs> yeah, it's a little hot, man. It's a little I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah. I got to really want to drink a beer to drink one like that. But anyway... Uh, I think the the common chairs will do great over there because they'll drink hot beer. That's right. 
well, if you drink whiskey or bourbon, you just drink it like neat, and you don't have to worry about it. Like yeah. you know, yeah. I've never, I've never drank any of that hard liquor in my life. Really, you're from no. Kentucky. How's that possible? I, man, I know I'm ashamed of myself, but I just, uh, <laughs> I never. You're gonna lose your residency. It. Yeah, but I, I'll drink a battleship of beer, but I've never, I've never drank liquor. That is insane. You're right there, and like you know, Bourbon where country. it was created. I'm lying. Oh, man. I ran out. I ran out of beer, but I'm gonna have a sip or something. Uh, <laughs> you know what that is? No. Hold on. Oh, I don't know what that is. It's called Palmasoon Redberry Brandy. Okay, but I'm not having it because I want to drink. I'm having yeah. it because so I won't cough. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I I don't run. Oh God, that's like help <laughs> All right. So anyway, no, it's actually pretty good. But uh, I didn't drink it for that reason uh, because I'm uh, I've got bronchitis, so I don't want to cough while I'm talking to y'all. Well, you did a good job, man. Like we've been on in over an hour, and you didn't cough at all. Hey, hey, listen. I drank a Michelob Ultra. It's got to be cold. And uh, uh, Tanner drinks that old hot stuff. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> hey, it's all rock and roll, boys. That's right, man. <laughs> like a stone saying. So Tanner, where do we go to find out all about the Comancheros? Uh, we keep the Facebook probably more updated than anything, I'd say, as far as like schedule. And uh, I haven't done the website since the new year has started, but. Facebook should be pretty good. We got a, we're doing like four weekends with a guy named Nick, Nick Dittmeyer. And that'll be announcing, I think this week actually. So that'll be like Thursday through Sunday shows. And that'll be probably March and some of April, I think. And, and let me market you guys a little bit too. Cause this is from our conversation last night, Tanner, uh, uh, go check out the merch. They've got really, really cool merch, particularly the shirt, some really unique, designs if you're into sci-fi and just like kind of a graphic novel looking stuff i mean i bought a shirt we were talking we you know we were shopping together online last night and just really awesome merch so like check the music is great and the merch is also great so go buy yep. some stuff for them we got the uh, heavy western hats over there too yeah yeah man like i was super impressed by your merch option so everybody listening you can go through the website the comancheros website you can go to merch mountain they're selling through merch mountain and, and buy some nice gear and for the headhunters, where do we go to find out everything about you guys? Should we ask Boone? They want Brian. <laughs> where do I we think go it's to... in a book. I think they're they're technology. It's like a a book. Do you guys have mailers? <laughs> where do we go to find now out we... everything about the headhunters? <laughs> well, you know, we got the websites. We got the uh, uh, all that old stuff. We're old school, but uh, we got stuff on there. But uh, we're not as uh, uh savvy maybe as as uh the new bands but uh we got stuff available and uh that sort of thing and but the main thing is i just enjoyed speaking to you guys oh thank you, you know, same and uh you guys are terrific and uh what you do 
Well, just thanks for having me on with the uh, Common Cheros. Thank uh, you. Tanner, and he is, uh, the whole band is off the chain, and uh, I love their music. I love the vocals. I love the whole thing about the package. And, uh, but I, I, you know, I hope that somebody one day goes, let's get this out to the world. Because right now they're doing it on their own. They're doing a hell of a job. Yeah. Well, Richard, uh, uh, we want to thank you uh, for everything you do for music. I mean, you've given us Blackstone Cherry, the Thunderbolts, helping the Comancheros. Now it's very giving of you. I have so much respect for you. I have so much respect for that. You help us try to get stuff with the podcast and very giving. And I really, really appreciate that. Hats off I think we you, rebrand. No, I think it's, we rebrand the podcast. Hey, it's it's my pleasure, and uh, what you guys are doing is the type of thing that has to happen, or otherwise rock and roll dies. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, what you, give what Brian you guys, the credit. Yeah, what you guys are doing is uh, off the chain. It's it's wonderful that you're doing this, and hey, listen, I'm very excited to be a part of it. <laughs> We're excited to have you, but. This is Brian's idea and like it's not happening without everything that he's done. And thank you. When I when people listen to the podcast or we're promoting a band that's on the podcast, our social media sites and people go, wow, I would have never known about this band. And I really like them without your podcast. That is the greatest compliment to me of what we do here. And I love yeah. it. And God bless you and, and Brian, especially for. Uh, you know, seeking out and finding bands like, uh, you know, uh, the, you know, the, the common sheriffs, uh, Georgia Thunderbolts, uh, uh, Kentucky headhunters and Blackstone <laughs> scary. Yeah. Because it's, you are the lifeblood of what we do. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. And it's, it's always man. a pleasure. And I've always got, a pleasure. I've got a great co-host and Jason. I couldn't do it. Ah. I didn't even know Tanner was on this before, so obviously I listened to no episodes <laughs> before I started working on it. So uh, thank you, Tanner Jones from the Comancheros, Richard Young from the Kentucky Headhunters. Thank you guys so much for being on. We thank appreciate you. it. And and thank you, my brother, and thank both you, of you guys for uh, thinking about all of us. Because Absolutely. without your help uh, and your perseverance, uh, there ain't going to be no rock and roll, boys. Y'all are on the ball. Thank you so much to Tanner Jones from the Comancheros and Richard Young from the Kentucky Headhunters for joining us. Uh, I found out that that girls love bulldozer drivers, right? They do. I mean, there uh, there apparently is a market for bulldozer drivers, sure. I, yeah, I've never, like, that never occurred to me. Like, hey, you know, when you're younger and you're trying to, like, you know, seek down I, some you know, action. I miss the online dating and the app dating stuff because I got married right before all that stuff became. I wonder if you could do a section of like bulldozer drivers. Maybe that's a pickup in, you know, like the rural Kentucky. Maybe maybe it is. Maybe it's like owns his own bulldozer. It could be like a a double entendre or something. But Richard is always, any of those guys from the Headhunters, they have such vast musical knowledge and experiences and they're very real, honest. It's fun to talk to them. And then, you know, you've had Tanner on before, as I obviously didn't realize. This is the first chance we had to really talk, or I've had a chance to talk to. Him. Great dude. I, I, man, that Com- Comanchero's album is, or the EP is 
really it's really good it's really good it like it just fits in so much with everything that i like man i mean as a guitar player i like the riffs there's slides in it it's the you know it's a 28 minute seven song eps and like it just flows great it's fun to listen to yeah and i'll admit like i've uh, over time i've kind of become a musical snob i mean something has to be really good like to keep my attention and that ep is really good and you know i especially love if i was a cowboy which you know tanner talked about it's that's a great tune it is it is man and and like i, I said here at the end they've got really cool merch which is great because you know they that keeps a lot of bands afloat with the merch because the records don't sell like they used to for anybody and they've got cool stuff to check out not only is the music good but they've got great merch and uh tanner has a special skill he can drink a uh, room temperature natty light. Na- natural light Ugh. that stuff has to be it's gotta be ice cold to drink that god stuff. bless him yeah like that's that's can't taste it <laughs> that is rough to get down when it's ice cold let alone warm he's a trooper <laughs> he's he's um Hey, and we got, like Richard said, we want to thank uh, Brother Boone Froggett for uh, being the tech specialist for the for the uh, Headhunters merch merch um, merch director and tech management for the Kentucky Hunters Boone Frog. And he's kind of like our t- our talent booker and help too at this point. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Jack of all trades. Yeah. And, uh, well, he'll find out tomorrow, but, uh, I, you know, I got to do something for Boone. And so I messaged Greg and, uh, found out about, uh, Mellow Matt, Mellow Matt's, uh, record, record store, Mellow Matt's it's called in, uh, I think it's Bowling Green, but they might be too. So he gave me Mellow Matt's phone number and, uh, I'll get a gift card to Boone. He can get some vinyl and. So hopefully he's and I will Venmo or whatever half whatever you need. Tell me and I will send send it to you. Don't worry about it. So anyway, you guys, we got a lot coming up for y'all. And uh, you know, so hey, always remember Southern Rock is reverent, blues is blood. We'll see you next time. If I could pick the way that I go, I'd die for you in this show. town
boy, that's right. I promise you all to show. I promise you things you'd like to know. If I could pick the way that I go It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 